I think that's why I love traveling and exploring new locations because I'm just so grateful to get to see all these amazing places and things. I mean, and I don't claim to be good at photography or anything like that, but I just, I, I enjoy taking a camera with me and all these trips that I go on. And I try and take as many photos as I can because it's just like, I just want to be able to take a picture and be able to go home and look at that picture and feel the same way that I did when I was actually standing there. And of course, I've never been able to do that because it's like, after all these photos I've taken, I'm slowly beginning to realize that photos can only reflect an image, it can't capture an emotion. Growing up, you know, I heard all these things about God, and I would, I would read all these Bible stories, and I would hear all these other people talking about Jesus and Christianity and stuff. And through all these things, I kind of created an image and an idea in my head of, of who God really was. And none of it was from personal experience or anything like that. I would just let these stories and these things that I grew up hearing kind of paint this picture of who God really was to me. Until this one day, out of my desperation, I wholeheartedly cried out to God and I said, God, if you're real, I need you. And what's crazy was God actually showed up and I experienced this life-changing moment with, with my Creator. And, and it was like my whole life up until this point, I was looking at God through a picture. Because when I experienced God for the first time, I realized that my shallow perception of my Creator couldn't even begin to break the surface of His greatness. And it's like, I don't want to just look back at these pictures and, and see these things and places, but I truly enjoy actually being there and experiencing it. And now knowing that I'm not just looking at God through a photograph, but I'm actually in an intimate relationship with my Heavenly Father, my life now has more purpose and meaning. Because it's hard to have hope when you don't know the one who gives hope. And it's hard to have peace when you can't call on the one who calms the storms. And it's hard to have joy when you don't know why on earth you were created. And it's hard to really show and know love if you don't know the one who loved you first. Praise God, praise God. Somebody say focus. Praise God, what a wonderful video. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word? As you, as you stand, uh, remember you can pull up our sermon notes the Version Bible app and follow along with us there. Search for live events and you'll see Greater Bethlehem Baptist Church. This morning we're in the book of Matthew chapter 14. As you make your way to Matthew chapter 14, I want to publicly thank God for these young people uh, setting the atmosphere. Give God some finger snaps for them. I know your, your hands are full, but if you can clap, clap. If not, snap those fingers for these young people. Just from the mimes to the singing, just everything else. They are phenomenal. And we give God glory for every single one of them. Parents, thank you for availing yourselves uh, so that they can be a part of this. 
Uh, if you're there and, and your teen or your child is not engaged, get them engaged. This is the last time you're going to have little control. So you may as well take full advantage and make sure they're there. Because once they get to a certain age, it's all she wrote. Somebody say amen. 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 We got some birthdays that these young people are celebrating. I think both Taylor and Thomas had birthdays recently. Well, yeah, don't, don't look shy now. Come on, lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. Come on. If you had some birthdays. Oh, he ain't get the, oh wait, that's all right. Amen. I remember when I turned 15. Amen. 20 years ago. It's a wonderful thing. Somebody said they got math classes after church. Amen. All righty. I was trying to give y'all time to find Matthew. Amen. Everybody got shade. Everybody got shade. All right. What time the Cowboys play? Three. Three o'clock. Three o'clock. Three o'clock. I'll, I'll make sure. I'll make sure. Uh, we got a shot this year. I'm trying to give you time to find Matthew. So y'all think I'm. Y'all got, if you found it, say, I've got it. Oh, all right, all right, praise God, all right, all right. Uh, in order to give a little context, I actually have to begin at verse 22. Listen to the word of the Lord from the Christian Standard Bible. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. Jesus came toward them. Walking on the sea, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me. To come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why do you doubt? This is the emphasis of our sermon for today, beginning at verse 30. Let's read it one more time. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? I want to put a tag on this text and preach from the subject, Seeing Past the Distractions. 
You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory, praise, and honor for all that we have experienced thus far. Father, we're so grateful for Sundays where we gather, we reconvene, we worship, we honor you as a corporate body. Now, Father, as we turn our attention to your word, we ask, Lord God, that you would clear us up, Lord God. Clear up every distraction around us. Clear up any hindrance within us. Clear us up, Father God, from anything that would keep us from receiving what you have already prepared for us. Father, many of us here this morning are in search, in need. Father, many of us under the sound of my voice simply need to hear that you haven't forgotten about us. So, Father, we, we submit ourselves to your spirit, to your word, and to this preaching hour. Lord, please use me for your glory alone to impact and expand your kingdom. Help us, Father, to see past the distractions. In the name of Jesus, we pray and praise you. Let everyone say amen. Praise God. Thank you so much, ushers. Don't the men ushers look good right there? Give them brothers a hand. I feel safe for them standing in the aisle. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest. Seeing past the distractions. Seeing past the distractions. Here's the big idea I want you to catch from today's message. Losing our focus interrupts our miracles. Losing our focus interrupts our miracles. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been examining the principle of clarity, the principle of focus, in hopes of guiding our church into this new season, this new decade, this new time of purpose. But Pastor Brown, why clarity? Why the theme of Clarity 2020? Beloved, it is because we have become distracted. We have become distracted. Everything has become a priority up and above God and his kingdom. And this is evidenced by our very lives. If we were to give a pecking order to our lives now, it is me, myself, I, what I want, what I long for now, and then if there is still two minutes in my day, I'll give that left over to God. Everything has taken priority up and above God and his kingdom. And beloved, it is this thinking, this mentality, this activity that makes pastoring so difficult. See, it's hard to pastor when the people you pastor want to do everything but kingdom work. It's hard to pastor when the people you pastor prioritize everything but God and his kingdom. We prioritize our jobs, we prioritize our, our homes, we prioritize our, our, our free time. And more often than not, anything that is stamped eternal 
gets rolled over to the next year. I'm preaching to myself. Amen. You see, the enemy only wants your attention. Because once he gets your attention, he will ultimately have your affection. Let me say that one more time. The enemy, he wants your attention because once he gets your attention, then he will ultimately have your affection. Scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if he can get your affection, if he can get what's closest to you, what you care about, pretty soon he'll have all of you. And that's, listen, that's when we start treating Jesus like he's our side boo. See, that's when, when we're married to Jesus, but we take off the wedding band when we leave church. So the question before the house is this, what has been distracting you recently? See, beloved, I've discovered that when you pull away from the kingdom, you make room for the culture. Oh, I'm giving some nuggets. I'm giving some tweetable statements today. When you pull away from the kingdom, you make room for the culture. So as a consequence, our time, our treasure, our talents are no longer prioritized for kingdom expansion, but they have been reserved for cultural experiences. And so we give the best of who we are to the world, and we don't even give the leftover to the church. We don't give nothing to the church. We simply come here when we want to. I need, I need a witness up in here. And even then, it's in our own uh, desires. So if it don't feel right, we don't come back for a while. If we don't get what we think we want, we, we, we punish the pastor. If we don't, if we don't, if we don't sing the song I want to sing, then, yeah, we'll see y'all next month. And, and as a consequence, I'll repeat myself, it's hard to be a pastor. When the people you pastor don't have a kingdom mentality. It's distractions, y'all. That's all it is. That's all it is, it's distraction. Let me see if I can, I can make this plain. There are uh, uh, the, the, the three greatest distractions to my daily productivity are these. Watch out. Number one, they're pop-ups. Secondly, spam. And third, robocalls. I'm going to unpack it. Just stay with me here. This is my introduction. These are three distractions to my own productivity. I couldn't even get into social media. Just these three. Pop-ups, spam, and robocalls. See, pop-ups take me to places that I really don't want to go. But if I touch it, I'm already gone. I feel that by myself. And once I'm there in that place, it's almost impossible to get out of. And that's what pop-ups do. They get into your face and they dare you to touch it. And as soon as you touch that distraction, it's going to take you somewhere you really didn't want to go. Look at your neighbor and say pop-ups, say pop-ups, pop-ups. But that's not all. Not only pop-ups, secondly, it's spam. Spam, spam fills my productive time with lies. Spam tells me you've won this. Your life will be better with this. I, I found your money, so come and get it here. Lies. But when we become so desperate, we believe lies. 
Oh, I feel that by myself. And we start chasing spam. Pop-ups, spam, robocalls. Help me, Theo, robocalls. See, robocalls interrupt, watch this, important conversations by making me believe somebody better is calling. Oh, God. Boy, I'm going to preach this. I'm, I'm going to preach this till it, till it hurts, man. And, 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 and surely this incoming call is better than this person I'm talking to. And so as soon as I press the button, I realize I have been hoodwinked. And so that's what's happening to many of us. Listen, we've been, we've been in relationship. We've, we've been in proximity with things eternal. But then that robocall comes in. And, and you think, oh, yeah, this is so much better than what I got. And, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take this call because what's on the other end is so much better than what I got. Lies. Lies. And beloved, the bottom line is they're just distractions. Somebody say distractions. They keep us from fulfilling all that God desires for our lives. That's why we preach on the first Sunday of 2020, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Y'all help me preach this. The author and perfecter of our faith. That's why we preached on the second Sunday. Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? Our lives are bombarded with distractions. Y'all, it's time for us to get clarity. Do I have your attention now? Look at your handout. In 2020, we must focus upon things eternal. When we allow ourselves to be distracted, sidetracked by trivial pursuits, it becomes more difficult to fulfill God's purposes for our lives. This is equally true for the church. Clarity is key. And so as we paint a context of what we're preaching on today, we discover that there is harmony in the Gospels, uh, a context uh, is everything. So the Lord Jesus is, is dealing with a whole lot of stuff internally and eternally. But yet he is still called to do that, that the Father has willed for him to do. And the first thing we see in the fullness of the context actually begins in chapter 13. Get ready to write. Jesus' homies reject him. I'm coming down your block in just a second. Look at chapter 13, verses 53 through 58. It says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he left there. He went to his hometown. Somebody say hometown. He went to his hood. He went back to the grove. He went to Oak Cliff. He went to Fifth Ward. And he began to teach them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miracle powers, these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Ain't that Joseph's boy? Ain't that glorious son? Ain't that such and such from, from Atwell? Ain't that such and such from Carter? Ain't, ain't that who that is? Isn't that, isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas and his sisters? Aren't they all with us? So where does he get all these things? And they were offended by him. 
Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. See, faith is required for miracles to be manifested. If you, if you start out not believing, then you stifle whatever it is God is trying to do in your life. And you may be thinking, Pastor, I don't need a miracle. I just need my rent paid. And I'm here to let you know the way you manage your money, you need a miracle. Oh, I ain't got a witness up in here. But, but you got to understand that faith is required. So he comes, comes to his hood. His home is reject him. Have you ever been rejected by the very ones who knew you best? But they couldn't, they could not embrace that the Lord had done something in your life. They could not receive or acknowledge the fact that although you looked the same, you were not the same. His home is rejected. But then secondly, this is what Jesus is dealing with. This is the opposition that he is dealing with. The Pharisees secondly oppose him. The Pharisees oppose him. Now we're speaking of the harmony of the gospels. I got to use Mark chapter 8 to prove this point. Verse 11 in Mark chapter 8, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him. Somebody say argue. This is last sermon's text. Demanding him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation demand a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and went to the other side. Let's just stop right there. See, the Pharisees wanted a sign. And at every juncture of Jesus' ministry, they confronted him. Now he's healing folk. He's delivering folk. He's setting folk free. But that's still not enough for them. So I told you last week, you can't make folk believe. And so the Pharisees, they oppose him to his very face. And he goes on in verses 14 and 15 to talk about the leaven in the bread. And he talked about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Somebody say Herod. Because that introduces us to our third point. Listen, I want you to see this context that we're dealing with. His homies have rejected him. The Pharisees oppose him. And then Herod, thirdly, is after him. Yeah, I'm dealing with the context. You got you to bring this thing together. And, and so we see in, 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 in the first part of, of Mark chapter four, Matthew chapter 14, it says, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. This is John the Baptist, he told his servants. He has been raised from the dead, confused, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had arrested John, chained him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Since John had been telling him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Though Herod wanted to kill John, he feared the crowd since they regarded John as a prophet. And just fast forward through, through those few verses, uh, uh, yeah, Herod had John the Baptist beheaded at the instructions of his little mistress girl. Now, y'all know John was Jesus' cousin. John was, he and John went bellies at the same time. When Mary came in the room, John leapt in his mother Elizabeth's belly. They were tight. And Herod, Understanding this movement that was taking place, had John the Baptist beheaded. 
But as the text is moving down, we see in verse 13 of Mark chapter, Matthew chapter 14, keep my mind, Lord. We see verse 1 of Matthew chapter, verse 13 of Matthew chapter 14. Look at what it says. When Jesus heard about it, what did he hear? He heard that his boy John had been killed. He withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. Stop right there. So I need you to understand the things that Jesus is dealing with. He's dealing with rejection from his homies, opposition from the ones who should have known who he was, and then watch this. He is being chased after to be lynched, if you will, by Herod. Because Herod has already killed his homie, his ace boom coom, his forerunner, John. And so the text says, listen, he heard about all of this and he makes his way to a remote place to be alone. Jesus is setting us up for how we are to minister in the midst of pain. God. See, here, here's, what, here's what frustrates me about, about church folk. We get a couple of things go wrong. And you lead a church. Let me sip on that. Let me sip on that. Hmm. Your car don't start the first time. It started a couple minutes later, but the first time, and you make it, man, I ain't going to church today. I'm just mad at God. If he wanted me to go, it would have started my car the first time, not the second time. Something goes wrong in the church. And we take a break from the Lord. Don't Just look at me. Just look at me. I'm preaching to everybody. And Jesus is teaching us how to keep pressing forward. In the midst of rejection, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of individuals that are launching to attack you. So it sets us up for this, for this miracle. He goes on to do some phenomenal things. He heals folk. He feeds thousands of folk. And then at that moment, the Lord Jesus is literally exhausted. And he's still trying to, to find some time for himself. So, so the text goes on. He, he sends his disciples on in the boat. So I catch up with y'all in a little bit. I need some time. I need some time to myself. Let's get to this next section. And, and so this phenomenal miracle performed by Jesus and experienced by Peter teaches us how faith gets us started. Watch this. And how distractions get us off track. We're making our way to Peter in this water. Peter found himself in uncharted territory, walking on water, and because his focus shifted, he found himself sinking. See, I've never put Peter down because out of all the folk in the boat, Peter demonstrated the most unusual faith. Oh, God, the Lord Jesus comes. He comes to them walking on the water. And it's, 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 it's a spectacle for the eyes to see. And, and I would have been afraid as well. And they screamed out, it's a ghost, verse 26. And Jesus said, no, 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 take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. 
Remember, courage uh, is, is not the absence of fear, but understanding who your faith is in. You can be afraid and still move forward for God. I need a witness right there. And then Peter demonstrated unusual faith, wanted to participate in the miracle. And he said, Lord, if you tell me to, I can walk on water with you. Oh, God. See, you got to have something on the inside that said, Lord, if you want it to be so, make it happen. But once you tell the Lord to make it happen, you got to make yourselves available. Let's deal with this. I'm, I'm building. I'm building. I'm about to take off. Uh, uh, let's see what's happening here. So, so, uh, so we have this unusual thing taking place. Get ready to write. Jesus is coming to them. Peter reaches out and calls out to him. The first thing I want you to get down is this. Peter started. Get that down. Get that down. Get that down. Peter. Peter started. Verse, I'm going to start actually verse 28. He said, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started. Stop right there. Peter started. Peter started. Peter started. How often, y'all, do we hinder all that the Lord desires to perform in our lives? How often... Do, do we begin a movement with God? Do we get started doing something for God? Let me try this side. We get started doing something for God. And, and then at the moment, we allow the butts in our lives to take us off track. Peter started walking on the water. That's a miracle right there. There's only two people in, in the history of the world that have been recorded as being water walkers. Peter's one of them. Peter started walking on water. Y'all, we have a miracle initiated. This, this miracle has begun. It's happening in their very midst. It's a wonderful thing taking place. But... That's my emphasis for this whole sermon. But, y'all, we're trying to do unusual things for God on this little corner in, in, in Buckner Terrace, Pleasant Grove. And, and you came and you said, I'm going to be a member. I'm going to be a part of that. Pastor Brown, I'm with you. I'm with Jesus. Let's do it. But, I didn't expect too many amens, but I'm good. So this, this, this is where distractions happen. And y'all, I used, to, I used to be tough. I used to be tougher back in the day. I ain't gonna lie, I used to be real tough. But let me tell you something. Too many butts will make the strongest pastor weak. Pastor Brown, I'm with you, but I got to do something. Pastor Brown, I got your back, but I just... Uh, uh, Pastor Brown, I'm going to start giving, but, but, you know, but I just... Somebody say, but. Come on, say, but. Here's the question. What have you started, but you got interrupted? Y'all, we have incompletes because we've gotten interrupted. So I don't know what it is in your life, what miracle the Lord was doing, 
but came in your situation. And you have begun to sing. Somebody say, Peter started. Secondly, Peter saw. Oh, this is so, this is so, this is so powerful. Uh, uh, the text says uh, in, in verse 29, uh, uh, listen, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. Beloved, Peter saw the strength of the wind that was swirling around the Savior of the world. And Peter put more faith in the wind than he did in the Savior. Oh, God, y'all missed out. Let me tell you something. See, fear is faith in the enemy. I, I want you to catch that. Fear declares, I have more faith in the power of the enemy than I do in the power of my God. And as a consequence, I'm going to feed my fears and I'm going to believe the lies of the enemy up and above the promises of God. Uh, Peter, Peter started, but miracle initiated. Peter saw the strength of the wind, miracle interrupted. At that very moment, the miracle stopped for Peter. That's where you are. God was doing some, some stuff in your life. You could, you could see him. You could, you could experience him. You knew what was taking place, and you got distracted. You lost your focus. And as a consequence, you just started sinking. And you can't figure out what's going on. It's like, what's, what's, what's happening with me? What's wrong with me? You're looking at that wind. You're looking at the waves. You're looking at everything but the one you should be looking at. And that's why clarity is so important for 2020. Because I'm not here to tell you the winds and the waves are not going to keep blowing. Because what you got to understand, listen, Jesus does nothing to the wind and the waves. But when he saw the strength of the wind, verse 30, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Peter interrupted what Christ was doing through him. Again, by placing more faith in the strength of the wind than in the strength of the Savior. When we give distractions too much attention, we start sinking. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to look up at me. And just blink if you need to. How many of you can testify, Pastor? I'm sinking. Don't, don't, don't. It's all good. Just, just look at me. Just look at me. I'm sinking. I was in the midst of some wonderful things the Lord was doing in my life. And I, I honestly, I fell for the distractions. The pop-ups, the spam, the robocalls. I, I, I just falsely concluded that there was something better than what the Lord has been providing. And see, what frustrates me is, y'all, we're, we're sinking, but many of us are too proud to ask for help. 
That's what I love about Peter. Peter. Peter didn't play around. Peter understood what was taking place. He realized that whatever was holding him up wasn't holding him up no longer, and he knew who to cry out to in the midst of his sinking. But, y'all, we got so much pride that we're trying to convince ourselves that we ain't sinking, and, in fact, we're drowning. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to make this plain as day. I got to make it even more practical. We're trying to get by spiritually on a 30-minute sermon every Sunday. Y'all, we had 20 people in Bible study on Wednesday night. We probably got two, 300 in here now. 20 people in Bible study. So this Wednesday at 7 o'clock when you're looking at your spouse or your boo or your whatever and y'all conspire to suggest we don't need the word and both of y'all are speaking in bubbles because you're underwater because you've been drowning. Y'all got SpongeBob in your house. That was to wake the kids up. But watch this, y'all. I started sinking because I believe the lie. The Lord started telling me, they don't, they're not coming because you don't teach that good. The enemy started telling me that. They're not coming because you don't teach that good. The enemy started telling me, they're they not coming because you ain't got no strong word. The, the, the enemy started telling me, they ain't coming because they don't like you. And you know, the Lord reminded me, I called you here. And as long as I give you strength, you get your lesson, you teach your lesson, and you wait until I call you home. Look at your neighbor and say, get your lesson, get your lesson. We're finished. Peter started, but... Peter started, but some of us have started, but some of us said, Lord, I'm with you, but a miracle got initiated, but Peter saw, had enough sense to cry out, miracle interrupted. How often do we hinder all that the Lord desires to perform through us? We hinder it. Thirdly and finally, I'm, I'm finished. Jesus caught him and then taught them. I want you to catch that. This is simple. This is so simple. This is strong. Jesus caught him and then taught them. That's, that's, that's a strong observation I got to make um, on this text that is so profound. The Lord Jesus is teaching while he's catching. Oh, God. I, I, listen. Immediately. Somebody say Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said. It's almost like when you're getting ready to get that child. Y'all ain't with me? And you snatch him up. And while you snatch him, you snatch You know I'm going to tear that tail up, dog. You know I'm about to. Now, you've gotten them out of something they got into. And while you, now, you know it's about to be on in about three to five Look at the text. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You 
of little faith. Why did you doubt? See, see here's what happened, y'all. This, this, this is what happened. This is, this is so simple but so profound. We begin to doubt what God can do. Only because we take our focus off of him and give more attention to the distractions. See, here, here it is. We lose focus when we lack faith. And so, so, so many of us right now, our vision is blurry. We've just lost focus. It just, it just don't make sense anymore. The whole church thing don't make sense. You know why it don't make sense? Because you ain't putting nothing in it. The whole movement doesn't make sense to you because you got so little faith in what the Lord is trying to do. This is how he established it to be. We lose our focus when we lack faith. Jesus says, man, why did you doubt? We were in the midst of a miracle. So Jesus calls them and us out. Here's an imperative I want you to get. Stop pretending that you believe and go ahead and believe. Stop pretending that you believe and just go and believe. Stop fronting like you all in and just get all in. Stop, stop dipping your toe trying to get the temperature and just get in. Stop going along for the ride without contributing to the experience. And ultimately what we're doing is we're cutting miracles short. And so the Lord is showing me this, the simple thing in this text. I'd missed it the many times I've read it before. This, this interruption of miracles. So Jesus rebuked Peter and us, but watch this, y'all. The Lord did it while still on the water. I'm, I'm finished. I got to give you this last one. Because the text says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So the catching and the teaching, when he caught him and taught him, they were still in the midst of the waves and the wind. See, Peter stopped his own miracle, but he didn't stop Jesus' miracle. Let me give it to you. Some of y'all are still sticking to your guns. I ain't going to win tonight. I ain't going to get engaged in ministry. I'm going to just come on Sundays and that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to give when I feel like giving. I don't care if the church is hurting financially. I ain't going to give at the level I can give. Watch this. Watch this. The miracle will continue. That's the word. That's, that's it. That, that's it. I would love for you to go along with the ride. But just in case you don't have enough faith, I need for you to know the church will roll on. And see, here's the part that the Lord is working on me. I'm trying to get us back to where we were, you know, back to the attendance that we had, back to the level of giving that we had. And the Lord said, man, don't worry about getting back to where you were. The Lord is like, Stephen, I'm trying to take you there and past that. 
Oh, God, I wish I had a witness in the house. The Lord is like, I ain't trying to get you back to where you were. I'm trying to take you to the next level. I'm, 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 I'm finished, I'm finished, I'm finished, but I need for you to know this right now before, I, before we pray. Many of us are missing out on what God is doing right here because we distracted what's happening everywhere else. And y'all don't seem to understand the reason it's going on so strong over there is because they're celebrating what's happening in their house. And you so busy looking through their windows. Reposting what's happening over there. And you ain't celebrating what God is doing here. I need y'all to see past the distractions. So let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Let's pray. Put your stuff down. Put your stuff down. Look up at me. Look up at me. Pastor, I've been distracted. Yep. I've been distracted. And Pastor Brown, I, I want to publicly acknowledge I've been distracted. I've not been serving. I've not been attending, I've not been giving, and now I understand that I'm hurting our church. And yeah, I may even be a leader too. And I've gotten so distracted, Pastor, I just, I didn't realize how easy it was, but I've gotten distracted. Who's going to stand with me in prayer? I'm first in line. I got distracted listening to the enemy's voice. I'm the first to admit it. I'm taking offense when it ain't me. That's between you and the Lord. Pastor, I got to admit, I just, I don't know what happened. I just feel so far. I feel so far from God. And I know God hadn't moved, so obviously I'm the one who moved. Heads about eyes are closed. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for today. And Father, we're standing in unity, in agreement, in solidarity. We're standing confessing, Lord, that we've been distracted. Father, we've allowed the force of the wind the intensity of the waves of life to take our focus off of Jesus. And Father, we're standing together and we're crying out to you, Lord. Save us. Save us from the pop-ups and the spams and the robocalls of life. Because, Father, they are so alluring. They're so tempting. And so, Father, we've been clicking and answering calls and going places. And we've looked around and we've gotten so far from you, Lord. Lord, we've gotten so far that Bible study isn't even on our radar anymore. We don't even wrestle with going or not. We just don't go. Prayer time is just, it's an afterthought. 
individual Bible study or engagement. It's not even thought of anymore. We've just become so consumed with these distractions. And as a consequence, Lord, we are interrupting the miracle that you were performing in our very lives. Father, help us to catch what you're teaching us on today. And Father, give us small victories. Help us to plan this week to turn over a new leaf and to get back in the word of God. Be it school of learning, be it the young adult Sunday class, be it noonday Bible study, be it evening Bible study, be it Bible study fellowship. Father, whatever it is, help us to recognize that we will not grow without you or your word. It just ain't happening. This is the way you set it up to be done. And Father, I know it's hard. We got kids and schedules and lives and work. Lord, I know. I, I totally know. But Father, I'm asking you to give us an extra dose of energy and preparedness. Help us, Father, to prepare better so that we can experience more of you. And then, Father, for those of us who just feel so distant from you, Father, grant us the joy of our first love. Help us to fall back in love with you again, Lord. Help us to pursue you and to seek after you. Help our prayer life to catch on fire. And may we feed ourselves with spiritual things as we rekindle our love for you. Father, we thank you for this very moment. You've blessed us today. And we give you glory, praise. 15 of 50, we've all been worn down. Amen. The psalmist declared.